Thank you for being here. And today we're going to jump in to our series that we're just starting called Kingdom Impact. How many people here want to make an impact in this world? Anybody? Anybody? There's a handful. That's enough right there to change the world. So there we go, the, the latecomers. But it's Kingdom Impact. And here's what we have to understand as a church is God's called all of us to make a difference, to be people that bring impact, that bring the Spirit of God to the world around us. Because what we know is that in the world around us today, that anxiety, fear is prevalent everywhere we look. And the enemy is making that a paramount issue in all of our lives, even inside the church. But then when we look outside the church, we see hopelessness. We look outside the church and we see people who have dismissed biblical values. We see all of these different things and we realize one thing, that God has called the church to stand out and stand up for what is right. Amen? To stand up for who the church should be. So today as we get started, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we get ready to read the Word of God together. We're going to open up our Bibles into the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. And while you're turning there, uh, I do want to say this. They had mentioned that on March 16th, Wednesday, March 16th, it's not this Wednesday, the following Wednesday, we're going to be starting that End Times series on Wednesday nights. Because here's what I know. You have questions. Can I tell you this? The Bible needs to be your source of information, not TikTok, not Facebook, not Instagram. That's what we're going to do. We're going to break down some things so that you have a biblical understanding of what is going on in our world. So, in this world, we're looking for a place of hope. That's who God's called us to be. So as we read this together, it's in Isaiah chapter 61, the first three verses. So let's, let's read. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you know anybody brokenhearted? To proclaim freedom for the captives and a release from darkness for the prisoners. In the Septuagint, it says this, that the prisoners that it refers to means the blind. So I say that because do any of you know any people blind to what's really happening in the world around us? It's, it's actually amazing to see that. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Maybe I need to say that one again because I'm going to shove that in the face of the enemy this morning. Is this? That's what we're doing is we're giving them a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And I love this, and this is where the name of this church came from. They will be called Oaks of Righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let's pray. Father, today for the next few moments, I pray, God, that you would have your way as you already have, but continue to have your way in this room. And Father, we ask this, that as we share your word, as we dig into this together, that God, we're asking you to convict our hearts. There's not a person that's listening, that's joining us, either online or in the house, that 
doesn't need to be better. And Father, I ask that you do that, that your spirit convict us so that we can make sure everything is right with you and that we're being all that we can be. So Father, as we sow these words that you've given us, may it find fertile soil in each of our hearts that it might bring back a harvest of good in our lives. And Father, I pray this as always, that when we leave our time together, that we will leave changed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And everybody that's watching online, thank you. Right now, there are a bunch of you that are watching all across the world. Thank you for being here. And we would love for you to be in this room. Uh, they mentioned those of you in your pajamas. Listen, if you're in your pajamas, you're man or woman enough to get your hind in to the house of God. <laughs> Sorry, it just need to be said. However... However, we are really seriously glad that no matter what's going on in your life, you can join us this way. But we do love it when you're here with us in person. But we are grateful for you. And this message is for you, too. So as we jump into this, I want to talk about a dream. I'm going to step back a little bit. And I know there's a few people in here that knew my father. But the dream that is this house started far before myself and Tawana. The dream that this is this house started many, many years ago. And I want to tell you just a couple of quick stories. Because it was in the year 2014. My father told me and Tawana, said, jump in the car, I'm taking you somewhere. So as obedient as we were, we jumped in the car and we rode out into the Gallatin, Hendersonville area. And he took us to a particular place, a particular building, and said, there's a reason that God wants me to bring you here. So I go to this place, and I'm, I'm in business mode, so I'm talking to somebody out here uh, about the deal and all this different stuff that Dad has told us about and, and that he wants me to work on, and he's out here. So Tawana and Dad are over in the parking lot of this place. And as I was over there, he started telling Tawana this, asking her this question. Can you see it? Can you see it? He said, you have to see it. He was so adamant about seeing it because he knew in his heart. And he, here's the thing. As we remember now, we always look back. Isn't it funny how you look back and you see things that you didn't see in the moment? And as Tawana tells the story, she tells it so much better than I was because she was in the first person in this, you know, she was right there with him while I was out doing what I thought was my thing to do. And as she said, she goes, Clay, you don't understand. It's like your dad was like, you've got to see it. And it was the look in his eyes, the passion in his heart. If, if you knew him, that's, he was a big ball of passion. That's what he was. And, and he would say, you've got to see it. And he began to hold his hands up and he stood with his back to the property and the building that we were there. And he pointed his hands and he says, you've got to see it. And she, he said, Tawana, can you see it? And she said, yes, pastor. She got in the car with me and she goes, honey, I don't know what he's talking about. And I said, honey, he's getting older, let him go. But that day I learned something. Because that prophetic word that he was planting in our heart, this place that we're in today is the result. 
as he led us, he paved the way for us to be able to be here. Everyone that came before him helped pave the way to where we are. And today we're paving the way for what comes next. So the beauty of that is this, and here's what stood out to me, is this. It was an adamant statement, an adamant question. You have to see it. And that's what I want to invest in you today because I want you to understand that you need to see the vision. You need to have a vision in your life. Why? Because if you don't have a vision, you're going to be running all over the place trying to accomplish all these different things. And then at the end of your life, you're going to discover that I didn't accomplish what I had hoped to accomplish. Because you've been sowing here and here and here and doing all these different things, but never doing what you were truly called to do in the moment or the vision that God called you to. But what I believe the reason for dad being so adamant was simply this. Because the truth of the matter is, (laughs) he understood something that I didn't know at that moment. That if you can't see it, you can't really get there. You see, some of you have a dream. You have a dream of saying, you know, I want a beautiful marriage. I want an impressive and powerful walk with God. I want to be able to make a difference. But the truth is, you have a slight dream, but you don't have a vision. There's a difference between a dream and a vision. A dream can be a pie in the sky, kind of cloudy, ethereal thing. But a vision is this. Here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm getting here. This is what it looks like to walk that path. See, some of you want a beautiful marriage. You want a beautiful life. You want all these different things. But you're not willing to put the vision on the tablets of your heart. Because I'm going to tell you something. A dream is an easy thing to have. A vision is a different matter altogether. Because that's where the real work comes in. So I would ask you this today. Are you living in a vision or are you living for a dream? See, what I want you to understand, a dream's not bad, but if there's no vision to take you to the dream, then that's all it remains is a dream. Something that's wispy and distant. But I'm telling you something, God has created you for greatness. He's created this church to do great things for the kingdom of God. You're not here by accident today. There's not a single person in this room or watching today that's here by accident. And what I want to put into you today is for you to have an understanding that you need to understand not only the vision of the house, but you need to gain a vision for your own life. And that's what we're going to dig into. And it brings me to this. My dad, early in my life, was teaching me a vital lesson about vision. And by this, here's how he taught me because here's the thing is, you know, you can, you can jump towards your vision the wrong way. <laughs> Has anybody ever tried to accomplish anything great in your life and realized, well, that was a stupid step I just took? Okay, the rest of your liars will have an altar call. <laughs> I know. Anyway, so here, here's the story because I remember I was young. I grew up in Ripley, Mississippi until I was in the second grade, I believe. And as... And, I remember dad deciding that I needed to learn how to swim. And here was his solution. Here was his vision. That he was going to take his young little son who was terrified of the water. And he was going to take me to Tippa County Lake. And we were going to walk to the end of the pier. And he was going to throw me out into the water. And I was going to swim. That was his vision. So here's how it played out. He grabbed his young son, who's terrified of the water, or was. 
And he takes me and he carries me physically because I'm having a freak out moment. I remember it. I mean, you know, I know I was little, but, and I still have some of those today. And he grabbed a hold of me. He's walking me out across the pier and he gets all the way to the end. And I remember his words, son, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. You ever notice sometimes we say stupid things and act like it's wise? You know, it's like when you're getting a whipping, some of y'all need to reinvent some of that. But, you know, it's like when you're getting a spanking and your dad goes, son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. It's a lie. Anyway, so he takes me, he tells me this, and I'm saying, no, daddy, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Don't do it, daddy. Don't do it. He takes me and he throws me as hard as he can out off the pier into the deep end. Now, I will tell you that sometimes the best thing in life is to get thrown into the deep end, but it doesn't always work. As a matter of fact, dad's vision was his son was going to be a, turn into a fish or something. I don't know. He thought I was all of a sudden going to grow gills and swim. However, what I remember is hitting the water on the back I'm watching as I sink rapidly, and I'm watching the water. It was like how, how Pharaoh's people must have felt when the Lord let the sea fall back on them. And I remember the water that had parted as I went into the water. I remember watching it close on top of me. So I don't know how much time went by, but I have this idea of what was happening on the pier. Dad was realizing that his vision wasn't being done properly. He realized he had made a mistake as he looks out and sees his young son that ain't swimming. As a matter of fact, that water is murky and dark. I'm sure he couldn't see me, but if he could have, my eyes would have been this big thinking, I'm going to die. And I'm sure in the moment he was thinking, if that kid dies, I'm going to die because I can't go home without him because Abby will kill me. So my dad jumps in to Tippa County Lake with his shoes on, with his wallet in his pocket, everything. He jumps into the the pond, the lake, and saves and rescues his son. You know, that would be a beautiful story if he hadn't been the one that threw me in. But it goes to show you that sometimes we can think we've got a correct vision and we can start moving in that direction, but we don't have a real clear picture and a God-given destiny of why we're doing what we're doing. See, sometimes we have to understand what God is trying to do through us. You know, let me give you an example. I believe the year was 1933. Dogpatch, Tennessee. Dogpatch is not really a city, not even a town. It was the poorest area of one of the poor areas in Millersville, Tennessee. And in that time, there were four ladies that decided that they needed a house of worship. Now, I don't know if you can imagine what Millersville might have looked like in 1933. There was nowhere to worship, so one of the wives went to their husband and said, we want to worship. And he said, you know what, why don't you use the old tobacco barn? And you and your lady friends can go over there and meet and y'all can worship all you want to. That was the thing that started 
the process and the destiny begin to roll forward of where you are today. Because four ladies understood that they didn't have the full picture, but they understood being faithful, standing true, and knowing what was right, they moved forward in what they knew. And it didn't take long before other people came alongside them and helped steer them in the right direction. It didn't take long before then a pastor began to arise. And then they built this building and they built another building. And all of a sudden, it was a real bona fide thing. But here's the thing. It started in a tobacco barn. And when it came time to build these buildings, we decided, you know what, we want to be honoring to where we came from. So every fall and every spring, we bring tobacco, hang it from the ceilings, and we, no, I'm kidding. But when we were building these buildings, we decided we wanted to be that. Me and Tawana were talking about it, and the leadership were talking about it. I said, look, here's the deal. I understand it. I want to do that, but we're not building a tobacco barn. We'll go with the horse barn feel. It's way better, you know. But the truth of the matter is when it comes down to it, it comes down to vision. It starts somewhere. If you have a family that's bound up in sin and there's generations of this in your life, somebody has to break it. And somebody has to get a vision for what is to come. So that's what we're digging into very quickly today. And it's this. So here, I'm going to start with a key thought. And this key thought is simply this. When we fail to see with eyes of vision and hearts full of faith, we are hindering the kingdom mission that God placed in us. Let me say it again. When we fail to see with eyes of vision and hearts full of faith, we are hindering. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm, it's hindrance. We are hindering the kingdom mission that God placed in us. What I need you to understand, when you're not walking in a vision, you're not just messing yourself up. You're hindering the kingdom of God. That's a heavy responsibility. And we say that in light of Isaiah 61 that we just read. When he says, here is what's been placed upon us. Here's what we need to understand. Here's what I've been called to do. And here's what it looks like. Isaiah 61 is the vision. And the how and the why. Because I'll say this straight out. God did not call you to stay in anxiety. He didn't call you to live in fear. He didn't call you to live in the sin that is destroying your lives, but you can't seem to get unstuck. I'm telling you today that when you get stuck, have the wisdom and the insight to reach out for help and take the help when it comes to you. Sometimes you've got to lose your pride. Do you know, as a pastor there, sometimes you face things that you don't know how to handle. But the beauty is that God brings people around you to help you see what you can't see on your own. But you've got to lay down pride. You've got to lay down the thing and say, no, I can do this. I got this. I was raised that you don't ask for help. Then you're an idiot. So you just got to come to a place. Sometimes we all need help. And that's where vision comes into play in all of this. Because when we don't see with eyes of vision and hearts full of faith, we're hindering the kingdom mission that God placed in us. And there's not a person in here that doesn't have a kingdom mission in you. Not a person. No matter what age you are or what you've done in your life or what journey has been for you. I can tell you this, that the kingdom mission in your life is so important and so vital. We cannot... Hinder the kingdom. 
So we have to step into that and say, God, use us. And we like to, around here, we call this our acorn theology. And it's a very simple, simple statement. And this is what I want you to get in your heart. What's it look like to be a part of living, or living to go? Here we go. If I start calling it Miller's Little Assembly, somebody throws something at me. But here's what it looks like to be a part of Three Oaks Church. You say, what does that look like? At Three Oaks Church, we love deeply. Can you turn to your name and say, we're going to love deeply? At Three Oaks Church, not only are we going to love deeply, as Scripture teaches us over and over, but we understand we're going to grow daily. We're not going to stay the same as we were yesterday. We're going to be better. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be more anointed than we were. We're going to be a danger to the gates of hell instead of threatened by the gates of hell. Right? So we grow daily. We love deeply. We grow daily. And here's my favorite one is we're going to live fully. We're going to live with laughter. We're going to live with joy. We're going to live with love. We're going to live in peace. And that's what we're going to be talking about over this month. What does that look like? Today, you just get kind of an overview. But what I want you to say, to see, is you've got to get this in your heart to know this is who God's called us to be because this acorn theology is the process that brings us into alignment. It's the process that brings people into unity. Do you know when we're not unified, good people trying to do this and that and go all different directions, we don't, we're not accomplishing what can be accomplished. But when we get a vision and we get in unity and alignment, it changes things. It changes things. It's the same thing that happened in the upper room. They were in alignment and they were in unity. And when they were, history was changed. History was changed in that moment. So acorn, acorn theology is this. It's how we're going to finish the race well. I think of Miss Margie. She finished her race well. You know Why? Because she stayed alongside the vision and she did everything she could with every ounce of energy. She was a supporter. She was an encourager. She was a worker. She followed the vision all the way to the end. She ran the race well. And it's acorn theology for us that brings us to that place. Acorn theology, it's the lifestyle and the heart of Three Oaks Church. So when we talk about this, I think it's such a powerful thought process to remember that ultimately it's all about Jesus. Ultimately, that's why we do what we do. It's not about bigger buildings and more seats and all. No, it's about Jesus. And when you start crying out to Jesus and a church comes into unity, then no longer are we people that walk in fear. No longer are we the people that are frightened all the time. We become warriors for the kingdom of God. We become the people that God truly called us to be. That's who we've got to be. Following, doing, and being the church. As a matter of fact, your second key thought this, I only had two for you today because I didn't want to work too hard this week. <laughs> the key thought is this, a unified church, a unified, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, unity is important. Unity is important. Okay? A unified church can shine bright, a brighter light than anything else in this world. Let me say it again. A unified church can shine a brighter light than anything else in this world and a unified church can literally shake the kingdom of darkness. Amen. You see, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's the power of God. It's the spoken word of God. It's the promise of God. And it's people who are unified in purpose that can take the world by storm. For what? 
for ourselves? Absolutely not, because that would be pointless. And in the day in which we live today, we have to understand that God has called us to be that light in the darkness. And as the world gets darker, our light should get brighter. The truth is this, as the world gets darker, the truth is that it actually doesn't take much light to light a room. Have you ever noticed that? The darker it is, the less light required. So what happens in the, as the darkness gets more pervasive? <laughs> that the church actually gets brighter. You get more anointed. You're walking more in the fullness of God. You're walking that place where you are in that, that shift, that acorn theology mindset where you're, you're on it. You're loving deeply. That's a great question to ask yourself every day. How have I loved deeply today? How have I loved beyond myself? How has my church loved deeply? How have I, how have I done this? Have I been effective? How have I grown today? What have I done to grow? What have I done to invest in somebody else's growth? And then, am I living fully? Or am I letting life pass me by because I'm afraid to deal with the things I need to deal with? I think we come to that place where we recognize we've been called to be a light. And I'm going to tell you something. God's called this church to shake the kingdom of darkness. God set us on this hillside for a reason. To change things. To be a light. A city on a hill. And I'm telling you something. You have a part to play. God brought you here for a reason. And some of you have been sitting around for a long time thinking, you know what, I want God to use me and I want to be involved in the church, but I don't know how. Everybody listen to me. That's about to change. Because we've got a job to do. And it's going to take every man and woman and child learning what it is to be kingdom people. And today starts a brand new shift of who we're going to be, where we're going, and how we're getting there. So I don't know about you. Why is this important? Because some of you got sons and daughters that need Jesus today. Some of you have sickness and illnesses, and you're like, I don't know what to do about it, but we know a God that can heal. There's people in this room right now that I love dearly who were facing death, but God thought different and set them free and healed their bodies. I don't have time to go into all that this morning, but what I want you to understand is that this is who God has called us to be. And let me share one more thing with you. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's an interesting scripture, chapter 6. It's verses 6 and 7. And it says this, these commandments that I give you today, and it's love God, all that's the love God more than anything. It goes through all that. That's the the preceding scripture. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Man, when I think about that, that's powerful. And here's what I'm going to tell you today. As a part of Three Oaks, what I would love to ask you is this. When you're at home with your kids, when you're with your spouse, you're having conversations, what if you had this conversation daily? Hey, sweetheart, how have you loved deeply today? That before you go to bed, your kid's church age child comes in and says, hey, daddy, how did you grow today? Or your teenager comes in who you've struggled with. One day they come in, hey, mom, 
talk to me what it means at church when they say we can live fully. See, when you start to embrace who God's called us to be, everything changes. Because at the end of the day, it's not simply about the name of a church. It's not about a building on a hill. What it really comes to is about us pursuing God first. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let me tell you, if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for uh, that healing in your life, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm telling you, that is the key because that's the part of walking the vision to your healing. And that's what I'm telling you as a body of believers. It's time to change the world. And what I need you to do is to go home today and start to bring the shift to your family. May your home be a place where the acorn theology that God gave this house rests upon your hearts. It's imprinted upon you because it's not based on some man's dream. It's based on what God has called us to be. It's imprinted. I want you to think about that just for a bit. Is the scripture of God, is the call of God, is the vision written on the tables of my heart? Am I living it every day? Or am I making excuses to not be everything God's called me to be? Because let me tell you what the world doesn't need. It doesn't need a church that looks just like the world. They've had enough of that. And if we believe by what we're going to be talking about starting March 16th on Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m., be here. We have limited seats. <laughs> that if we can believe that what if we truly live in the end time moment? Do we love people enough to share Christ? Do we love deeply enough to say, you know what, I'm going to bring them to church. And you know what, I'm going to invest them. I'm going to ask them to take them to lunch. I know you say, well, that's silly. That's not, that's not witnessing. I'm telling you, it all works together. Because your job is to be a witness. But if you want to help somebody get discipled, what better place to bring them into a place where this morning, when the Holy Spirit was falling and people were getting set free, you don't know what God's going to do for somebody in that moment. And we need it. And to think that other people don't, can I tell you what's a shame? That there are seats beside you that are empty today. And there's a gospel that's being preached. And our job is to bring. And if we're passionate and we love what God's doing here, we will. Are we perfect? No, <laughs> not nearly. But we sure love trying to be who God's called us to be. We might fall down, but we're going to get back up. And when you fall down, we're going to pick you up, shake you off, and stick you right back in the game. Because that's what we do. Love deeply. We commit to growing daily. And we're going to live fully. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you. We thank you that you love us enough to trust us with mission. You love us enough to give us the responsibility of our communities and our families. 
But Father, today, in this moment, I pray, God, that as your word has gone out, that God, you promise us that your word never returns void. So Lord, I pray this, that even in this moment that our hearts are being convicted where we have fallen short, that for those of us that are listening and that are here today that aren't in a right relationship with Christ, that we will begin to walk in that newness, that we will make a choice today, in this moment, that today is the start of a new walk, a new commitment, a new anointing. So Father, we ask you in this moment to move in this house so that every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? You're talking about me today. And I want to embrace that idea, that vision. I want to bring it to my children. I want to bring it to my job. I want to bring it to my business. I want to live this out so that I can be effective in the day in which we live. If that's you right now, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, but say, Pastor, I just want you to pray for me this week. I just want you to slip your hand up and hold, keep it up so I can see. Yeah, keep them up so I, I want to make sure I know how I'm praying this week. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can place your hands back down. Now, here's what I'm going to ask all over this house. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask our altar workers and pastors that are available to make their way to the front. And I'm going to ask you that are in your seats and those of you that are watching online, remember, there is nothing that happens in this house because that can't happen to you right where you are because the anointing knows no distance. And if you need a breakthrough, if you need a breakthrough, you need to walk this, we'll walk it with you. But you're in this house, and I'm going to ask you another question. So if you would, bow your head, close your eyes one more time. This is personal business. You say, Pastor, I'm here today, and I know I'm not right with God. I know there's sin in my life. I'm doing things that I know that I shouldn't be doing, but I keep walking in it. And, Pastor, I'm tired of it. I don't want to stay the same. I want to be free. I need to receive Christ. If that's you right now, I'm not going to embarrass you today. But if that's you, I want you to lift your hand signifying that and say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss a single hand because it's so, so very, thank you. One more moment. I need Jesus today, Pastor. I need to make it right. Amen. You can place your hands right back down. And here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to look at me just for a moment. Whether you're making that choice right here or whether you're making it online, you need to tell somebody about the decision that you're making today. God didn't call you to give your heart to him and repent of your sin and then circle back and live the same life and then have to come back and get under the anointing and have to repent again and start the whole cycle. No, no, no. That's the, that's the broken vision. You're stuck in the spin cycle. God has a destiny for you and he'll change you, but you need people. And we commit to walking this out with you. If you'll let us, God will set you free. And what we're going to do in this house right now, we're all going to pray this simple prayer together. So let's all bow our heads one more time and pray this as a family. You can simply repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. 
Today I am forgiven and I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you give the Lord some praise?